Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Now, the name of my message today is Take Your Seat. Now, seats are important to us, aren't they? A chair, a place that we can be seated. Now, if we're going to a dinner or we're going to be involved in a meeting, or we're going to someone's home or whatever, we want to have a seat. We want to have a position. Isn't that true? And if we don't, then that's awkward, isn't it? And it makes us feel awkward. But when you take your seat, that means you have a position, you have a placement, and you are there and taken care of. I want to tell you that in the kingdom of God, you have a very special seat that God has given to you. Now, I was just looking in the Bible, and I was looking at all the places uh, where seating is talked about in the Bible. And I was really surprised that it had so much to say about it. Now, the Bible tells us that Jesus is seated where? At the right hand of the Father. And then the Bible also tells us in the book of Revelation that Satan himself has a seat. Do you remember reading about those churches in the book of Revelation and the church that was in Pergamos and uh, there were Christians there? But the Bible said that the seat of Satan was there. And so he has a seat, he has a realm, he has a position, and from that position and that seat, he operates and functions. And you see, uh, he knows he can't do anything on his own. He counterfeits everything that God does. You see, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, governing, making law, if you will, taking care of kingdom business. He has a seat from which He does that. And so we too have that seat that we're going to look at here today. Now, the Bible tells us that the Pharisees also desired to have a special seat in the synagogue. And they were full of pride and they wanted that seat, the chiefest seat, if you will. And then we also read about in the synagogue that there was Moses' seat. And Moses' seat was a desired seat that people wanted to sit in. And so God has a lot to say about that. Then also, we see in the Bible that the elders of a city were seated at the gate. In other words, they had a position at the gate of the city, the gate really signifying the entryway into the city where the, the life of the city went on, and that's where the business was done. And they were seated in that position. Amen? And so I want us to look over here this morning in Ephesians 2, verse number 6, and I want us to see something that God has said about us in this seated position. Now, 
in verse number 5, it, it talks about when we were dead in trespasses and sins. That's who we were. Then we came into the kingdom of God by the new birth. We received the cleansing for our sin through His blood. And now we are in the kingdom. We are His children. Now listen to this, verse number 6. And He hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is saying He has raised us up. We're no longer, you know, the scum of the earth. We're no longer worms, if you will. God has resurrected us. That's what raise means. He has resurrected us. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And see, that's why I do not believe that a Christian ought to act dead because we've been resurrected and we've got the power of God in us and we don't need to go around like we've lost our best friend. Now, we understand that there's difficulties in life, but I'm going to tell you, God has given us the joy of the Lord to help us in those times. And if you'll just allow, dig deep into that well of salvation and bring that joy out. And I tell you, there are times when I don't feel like praising, but I will praise. I don't feel like raising my hands, but I will. I don't uh, just really feel like shouting unto the Lord. You know what? But I will. I may not feel like dancing, but I will. You know why? Because I've been resurrected. I've been raised from the dead and I'm not going to be among the dead. And you make a decision with me that that's the way that you're going to live. But he said, and he has raised, it's past tense. It's already done. You are not going to be resurrected when you go to heaven. You have been resurrected now and you have the newness and the life of God abiding on the inside of you. He's raised us up together and made us. He made us to sit together in the heavenly places. In other words, He made us. He gave us a seat in the heavenly realm and sphere sphere. That's where we are today. We're in that realm. And he says he raised us up together. Together with who? Together with who? With Jesus. We've been raised up just like Jesus was raised from the dead in that newness of life by the glory of God, seated at the right hand of the Father. And I want to tell you, you have a seat next to him. The Bible in many places calls us joint heirs with Jesus Christ. In other words, we're seated right there with the Lord. Amen? Now, it, this made us to see it also means to give a seat in company with. We're in good company. We're in good company with the Father and the Son. Amen? Now, can you believe that human beings, that we as human beings, born again though, of course, washed in the blood of Jesus, can you believe that we are able to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ and be able to sit with the Lord in that special seat? I want to tell you if, you, if you've ever been to a function, you know, where there's dignitaries there, 
and been involved or you've seen something, you know there's a seating arrangement, isn't there? Do you think that they just helter-skelter, let anyone come in and sit wherever they want? I can tell you with the dignitaries, they're not going to let certain people get around him or them. Whatever the case may be, they're not going to do it. They're going to have special seating. Well, I want to tell you, God the Father thought so much of you that He gave you a special seat right next to Jesus. You are seated together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, those things that go on in our life in this earth and being as difficult as they are and as hard as they are and sometimes as devastating as they are, I'm going to tell you, you are still seated with Christ. You are seated with Him. You've been raised up together. Amen? I like what the Living Bible says about that scripture. It says, He has lifted us up from the grave, or death, unto glory along with Christ, where we sit with Him in heavenly realms, all because of what Jesus did. That's the only reason we can be in a heavenly realm. That's the only reason that we can be a king and a priest unto our God is because of what Jesus did. But because He bought and paid for it, I'm going to accept it and receive it. And I'm not going to let the devil or people or intimidation or any other thing take me away from that seat. Shall height or depth or any other thing, you know, it, it lists a lot of things. Separate you from the love of God. No, it shall not. I'm not going to be separated from that love. I'm not going to be separated from being at Jesus' side. Amen. Joint heirs with Him. The Amplified Bible talks about giving us joint seating with Him. We've been given joint seating. Amen. Now, what is Jesus doing at the right hand of the Father? He's interceding, we know that. He's governing there. The affairs that are going on, He is uh, directing in that. Well, I'm going to tell you, when you sit in that seat, do you think that in that heavenly realm, and you've got the seat that God has given for you, to you, do you think that you just sit there and just look around and say, my Things are wonderful here. They're beautiful here. Well, you might do some of that, but I'm going to tell you in the heavenly realm, when you are joint heirs and you've been seated jointly with the Lord, you are there for a plan and a purpose. And I'm going to speak to every one of you, every one of you and you, everybody in this room today, I'm speaking to you. And I'm saying that you have a purpose in this life. You might not know what it is. You might not have discovered what it is. You may not have taken your seat. It's there and it's waiting for you. And that's one thing that we in this church want to do. We want to equip people. We want to give information, knowledge of the Word so that we're not living like those without a covenant, but we're living as those that have a covenant with God. Say, I have a covenant with God. Okay, Jesus then, He is ruling he is reigning, He is governing, He is given directions. And so we are to rule and reign with Christ. That's what the book of Romans says. When do we rule and reign? Well, I know when we rule and reign. It's when we go to heaven. No, the Bible says in this life we rule and reign. And we rule and reign from the position of being seated 
and right next to Jesus, joint heirs with Him. And what He has said in His Word is what we are to stand for, what we are to govern with, what we are to believe with, what we are to release our faith with to happen in our lives, in our family, in our church, in our world today. We're to get in agreement with that. With what He has said. Amen? And that is the position and that is how. You see, I want you to think about this. If you think about politicians, the first thing that they do with a politician, they'll swear them in. Isn't that right? They get sworn in. And then they have to abide by the laws of the land. Isn't that right? And you take a civil servant, what do they do? They swear them in, and then they have to abide to uphold the laws of the land, whether it be international, whether it be in a city, a community, or a state, or whatever the case may be. They're sworn in to abide the laws and uphold the laws of the land. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're not sworn in, you're born in. You are born into the kingdom of God. You get into the heavenly realm, seated in the position that Christ Jesus has for you, ruling and reigning in this life as a king, not just letting anything and everything happen in your life. Now, do I believe that everything in your life that you control and, you know, you just do this and, you know, something's going to happen? No. But I'm going to tell you, you better fight the good fight of faith. You better stand for things that God is said are yours. And the devil may try to come in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard against him if you are believing the law. If you are upholding the law. See, just like the political realm or civil servants or anything else, they're upholding the law. You uphold God's law. You uphold His Word. And when you see things happening, just like in our nation right now, in our economy, do you think we as children of God, you know, are just going to sit there in our chair and twiddle our thumbs? No, we better be upholding the Word of God for ourselves and for our nation right now. That is what God wants us to do. You are seated in the heavenly realms and there's a purpose for you being there. And it's not just to let things happen the way that they happen. But it's you can make a difference and you can see some changes in your world and in your life. And again, I'm not trying to lead you to believe that you will control everything and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. I am not going to tell you that because it is not the truth. But I'm going to tell you there's a lot more that we can do than what we do as children of God, than what we are doing. Amen? You know, and somebody said, well, I'm just being dominated by the devil. Every time I turn around, he's doing something to me. Well, now, I want to tell you something. That is backwards. Because the Bible says that you are to take dominion. He's trying to dominate you. You take dominion. You dominate. See, that's, that's we got it backwards. We let the enemy dominate in our lives. It's time for us to dominate him. And those demon powers that are out there. And how is the best way to do that? By prayer and the Word of God. And that's how you will dominate. 
instead of being trampled upon yourself. The Bible says for us to tread upon serpents and scorpions. Amen? All right. In John 8, 32, it says, You shall know or understand the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Amplified Bible says, And the truth will set you free. Now, I want to tell you something. You shall know the truth, and that truth is what is going to bring the freedom into your life that is going to give you the ability to be able to have dominion, to be able to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. How many Christians go through life, and how long did I go through life not knowing and understanding the truth of God's Word? Jesus said it Himself, My Word is truth. Well, the facts are this. My word is true. It's above all of that. Things may be going on. The facts may be out. But the word of God is the ultimate truth. And you shall know and understand that truth. And through that knowledge and that impartation of understanding, you shall be set free. And I like when you, you look that word set free up or made free, it has uh, also the connotation to it that you will maintain your freedom. Not only am I going to be set free, I'm going to maintain that freedom. You know, how many times have we ministered to people? You know, and I believe that the Bible says we'll cast out the devil where we find him. Jesus, that's what he did when he was upon the earth. He cast him out. I believe that we can cast out the devil. But I tell you what, I believe if we're going to keep him out, we better get into the truth because the knowledge of that truth and understanding of that truth is going to keep us in our freedom. How many people we've ministered to and they get set free and there is no doubt about it. They have freedom and liberty in their life. And then the next thing we know, you know, two or three months and they're backslidden and the devil's back. And not only did he come back, he brought a lot with him to reinforce. You know, when you sweep and garnish the house, as the Bible talks about, you know, and you don't fill it back up. He says that the devil comes back and he brings. Well, what do you fill it up with? The Word of God. Every nook and cranny. <laughs> Amen? So we know the truth and the truth will set us free. Amen? The devil tries to obscure truth from us. He tries to keep us from seeing things that God has for us that He wants for us, that He desires. He tries to cloud it. He tries to cloak it. He tries to veil it. You know what? But through the preaching of the Word of God that takes place here every single week, three times a week, we're stripping it off. And if you want to see, you can see. To him that has eyes to see, let him see. You want to be blinded? You can be blinded. If you want to see, you can. You know, it's just like ministering, uh, someone was ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit once to people, and, you know, here was someone in the, uh, the crowd, and they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't believe that, and they didn't want that going on, and so they tried to show them, here, look in your Bible, here it is. You know what they did? Ripped out the page of the Bible. It's not in my Bible, so you can be blind if you want. But, you know, I want to see 
I want to see the mysteries and the secrets of God. You know, I was reading in the book of Ephesians. It's so beautiful. And I've seen it before, but it's in a fresh new way. You know what I'm talking about? Just a a fresh new way. And it talks about that we would be filled with the wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. And the Amplified Bible talks about that. And it talks about the secrets and the insight into the Spirit. Deep mysteries and secrets. That's where I want to be. I don't want to just be on the surface to you. I want to dig down in there and see what God has for me. And so that's available to us. But we have to open up our eyes and we have to allow Him to show and reveal us some things. Amen? So the devil tries to, again, obscure the truth. He tries to lie to us. He tries to deceive. And he tries to cheat you. Now, you are seated in the heavenly places. And you know what? The first thing that the enemy wants to do, he wants to get you out of your seat. Now you come and you sit beside Jesus and you're just having a good time and he's just rocking your chair, trying to get you out of the chair, get you out of your place, get you out of your seat, your position in the Lord. And He'll bring calamities. And He'll bring struggles. And He'll bring liars and deceivers and cheaters. And He'll all working. You know, see, the devil works through people. People are not our enemies. It's not flesh and blood. It's uh, principalities and powers. But He uses people. And He will try to rock your boat. He will try to tip that chair and get you out of there if He can. He doesn't want you to know those things. He doesn't want you to stand in a position of authority. You know, we were talking about a moment ago about politicians and civil servants and people in those positions. They have authority, don't they? They get sworn in, then they have authority. You get born in, then you have authority. But you see, if we don't use it, It doesn't make a difference. Amen? So, he'll try to force you out of that chair. You've been seated with Christ. Or, if he can do this, he'll try to get you to not receive, accept, understand that you have a seat. He'll he'll start there. He'll try to, you know, tell you that, you know, you're just no good, you're worthless, Never going to amount to anything. What kind of difference could you make anyway? I want to tell you, you can make a difference in this world. The Bible says that you are the light of God. You are the salt of God in the earth. And you know what salt does? It's a preserving force. You are the salt. You are the light. Each one of us. And so he either tries to get you to not acknowledge that you have a position in the Lord, that you have this authority as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, or he tries to get you out of that chair. Now, as I'm talking and saying that, if I would say, how many of you have experienced, you know, the enemy just trying to get you out of that seated position of authority, try to discourage you, try to dishearten you? And I mean, hands would go up everywhere in my own life. I know that it's happened. And you know, there are times where it comes close. But you know what? 
I'm not leaving my seat. Now, am I boasting in myself? No. The Bible says if you boast, what? Make your boast in the Lord. It's because He's in me. And greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world that tries to get me not to know that I have a seat or tries to get me to get up. You know, even sometimes He may not try to knock you out of the chair. What He may try to do is get you to give it up. I'm not giving it up. Amen? And I started to think about things that would cause us to be unseated. And you know, one of the things that would unseat us get us away from where God has us in that position uh, in the heavenly realms is inferiority, intimidation, rejection, bitterness, self-doubt, resentment, fear, all of those things. And the list could go on and on. And if I were here to ask you this morning, what about you? You know, can you tell me something? I'm sure that you could name some things. But I started thinking about this one. Inferiority is a very ugly thing. Did you know it? And inferiority is something that makes us feel bad about ourselves, something that makes us feel like, well, we're not good, as good as someone else. You know, we have a lower position. But see, I want you to understand here today, you don't have a lower position. We're all on an even plain with the Lord. We're seated with Him. Now, we all have different positions in the kingdom. We're all doing different things, and so we must understand that, you know, and I'm sure that you do. But as far as our position in the Lord and how much God loves you and how much Jesus loves you, there's not, you know, the great ones and then the little ones. There isn't that. Amen? There's only... God's children who rule and reign. That's where we are. Amen? Now, I want to tell you, I started thinking about inferiority and how that over, you know, the years that the enemy had tried to stop me because of inferiority. And there, you know, I could just think of a lot of things and a lot of times and a lot of incidents. And I'm sure that you can too. But you know what? That's why God tells us to see ourselves in Him and not in ourselves. When we fail, you know, when, when we mess up, when we don't do things right, when we embarrass ourselves, you know, we are to see ourselves in Him. When we're in Him, all those flaws, all those things, you know, God helps us. He covers. You know, that's the, the beauty about the Lord. If we confess our sin or our faults and talk to Him about, maybe it's not a sin, it's just a fault, you know. And maybe we confess those faults to the Lord. I believe the Lord will help to cover those things, not bring them out. But now I do believe this, if we don't deal with them, they'll be dealt with. And sometimes people do get embarrassed because they don't go to the Lord. You know, they try to live, you know, a life that uh, projects one thing in the public Public, uh, and before people and then something else behind the scenes. You know, God's not going to bless that. There's no way that He is, you know. But if we're true to the Lord and we come to Him and with our faults and our failures, God honors that. And, and again, I think He covers it. He doesn't bring it out and show it to everybody. Amen? But do you know that inferiority, rejection, anything like that, all those things are 
placed before you to trip and snare you. They're placed there so that you will not accomplish God's will for your life. Where we just see inferiority or rejection as hurt. We see it as something that comes into our life. It gives us a difficult time. It's so hard to deal with. We're wounded. We're hurt. And so we just, you know, get wrapped up in ourselves. But all the time, what the enemy's trying to get you and me to do is be wrapped up in ourselves and not doing what God has called us to do. And if He can keep us feeling inferior, if He can keep us with this spirit of rejection all around us, He'll do that so that you will never penetrate through those walls that the enemy has put up and go out there and discover that you're ruling and reigning with Christ, that you're to govern from your seat that God has given you. Amen? And so we need to see and understand that. I began to to read in the book of Judges, and we don't have time to go there, but in the book of Judges, it talks about a man named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. Now, Gideon... His name means muscle man. You know what a muscle man is, don't you? Here's Gideon and he's hiding out from all the the Midianites and all these people that have come against Israel because they backslid and they didn't obey God. So he's hiding out and he's threshing wheat at the wine press. What's wrong with that picture? Well, they're, they're starving, they're in a famine, and these enemies of God have come in and destroyed their crops. And so that he has a little wheat, and he's going by the wine press, and he's going to thresh that wheat to, you know, to have some food. And he's hiding out there, this muscle man, this mighty warrior of God, he's hiding out there, and lo and behold, an angel comes. And when this angel comes, he said, you are God's mighty man of valor. And he said, oh my God, you're talking to me? My family is poor? I can't do anything? And that angel said, you are a mighty man of valor. You see, and that's what God sees in us. He sees beyond the failures and the faults and the walls that the enemy builds up. He sends the angel, if you will, to speak to us and say, hey! You wake up and you get out from that wine press and you get out here and take care of what I called you to do. And don't be wrapped up with only your own life. Know that I have some people for you to touch. I have something for you to do with your life. You're not on this earth just to take up space. Get in your seat. Get in your seat, Gideon. Get in it right now. And you go out and you conquer And you win, and you set your people free. And you know what? He did. He did exactly that, but he he had a talk with that angel. Sometimes you need to talk with the Lord, and you need to be honest. Lord, my family is poor. I'm of the wrong sex. You know, how can you do anything with me? I'm a woman. I'm a child. I'm a teenager. I'm just a man. Whatever. No, we are just the children of God. That's who we are. And we're God's muscle men and women. And if we'll take our seat and we will take our position in Christ and not be all wrapped up in ourselves with the hurt and the pain of things that have gone on and be able to move on past that, 
God can do miraculous things with our life. Amen? Jeremiah 5.20 says, you are my battle axe. And you know, some man is poking his wife and saying, I told you that. (laughs) No. He's talking to men and women. You are my battle axe and you are my weapon of war. And with you, I will break in pieces the horse and the rider. Do you know what the horse and the rider is? It's the carrier of bad news. When the carrier of bad news comes by your house, break him in pieces. Be the battle axe that God has called you to be. Use your weapons of war from that seated position in the heavenly realms and do something. And don't just, well, I'm just poor. I can't do anything. You know, I don't have very much education. How could God use me? After all, what I've done in my life, how could God ever use me? I'm going to tell you, don't count yourself out. You're seated. You're joint heirs with God. You may have messed up royally. You may have messed up so bad that God is going to have to make you into another vessel. I don't know, but probably not. But if He did, He could do that. And then you could take your position... And you could do what God has called you to do in the earth and fulfill your purpose. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, another story real quickly that I want to tell you about, and I'm running out of time and I realize that, but I want to tell you about this story of Mephibosheth. And it's found in 2 Samuel chapter number 9. You can read about it when you leave here today. But Mephibosheth was a man... Uh, that was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. And you know that Saul and Jonathan were both killed in war and their family was just humiliated and destroyed. And so Mephibosheth finds himself living uh, a life that is less than the kingly existence that he knew from the past. And the Bible says that Mephibosheth was living in Lodibar. Now, I want to tell you something. Mephibosheth means shame. He was living in shame in Lodabar, which means nowhere. And many times that's exactly what God's people are doing. We're living in shame when we need to be seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. But he was living in shame because of what had happened to his family. If something happens to your family, you know it might bring shame. But I want to give you hope this morning through this story of Mephibosheth. He was living in shame down in Lodabar where nobody knew anything about it, going nowhere, doing nothing. And King David one day gets up and he said, I want to know, is there anybody from the house of Saul still living? And so he begins to inquire and he begins to look and he begins to turn over every stone that he can. And finally, someone says, yes, he, uh, Jonathan has a son. He's living in this obscure place. He's living nowhere. He's going nowhere. What do you want to do with him? And David said, go down there and get that man that's living in shame that's living the life, an existence where nothing can be accomplished with him. Go down there and get him and you bring him back to my house. Bring him to my house. And I want to tell you this morning, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. Hallelujah. He found us in our sin and shame when we were out in the world, nowhere, going nowhere. And he brought us back. 
to the king's house. He brought us back to the king's table. And he has spread that table. And he has set a place. And he has set a chair by that table. And I tell you, there's a table tent there. And on that table tent is your name. Your name is there. Well, who who would know me? Who would want me? Who would desire that I would come to a king's house? Who would desire that I should be seated next to the king? Who would desire that I should be in the king's house always having a place there? And see, that's exactly what happened to Mephibosheth. And let me tell you, when he got down there to the king's house, he bowed himself down and he said, King, what in the world could you do with a dead dog? That's what he called himself, a dead dog like myself. And you see, that's many times how we as God's children are living. We're, in, we're feeling inferior. We're rejected. We're living that way. And God all the time is saying, go out there and get them and bring them to my house. And see, even when we know the Lord, if we're not careful, we will continue to live that way. Now, should we be full of pride and arrogance? No, but we need to know who we are. We need to know that we're the children of God. I don't have to be haughty about that. I don't have to have an attitude, a wrong attitude. I might have an attitude, but not a wrong one. You know, I just know who I am. I'm a child of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of me. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. He has given me a seat in the kingdom of God. He has given me a position to be a joint heir with Him. He has given me a plan, a purpose, and a destiny for my life. And you know what? Did He just do that for me? No, He did it for you. Each and every one, He did it for you. But see, if this inferiority, if rejection... If we allow it to stew in our lives and just be there and and just build up walls, you know, we walk around in our life. We just walk around. And it's like we have a sign that says, I'm inferior. Everybody knows I'm inferior, but exactly this sign, we don't carry it, but this in the Spirit is the way it is. I'm inferior. You can put me down. You can ridicule me. You can make fun of me. Everybody else does. You might as well do it too. And God said, get in your seat. Well, I've been rejected all my life. My parents rejected me. I'm rejected on the job. My friends reject me. Just go ahead and kick me, will you? Just kick me. See, we walk around with the proverbial signs attached to our life. And God's saying, look, I called you when you were going nowhere. I called you when you were doing nothing. You came to me. I put a robe of righteousness on you. I cleansed you by my blood. I set you in my family. Now you get up and get over here and sit in your chair. Amen. 
Now, I'm telling you, I know that the Lord is speaking that message to you today. Don't see yourself as a dead dog. Don't see yourself as less than you ought to. I'm not telling you to be arrogant and haughty, but I'm trying to tell you that these are all veils that the enemy builds up in our life to get us, now listen, again, wrapped up in ourselves so that we don't go out and govern and rule and prevail and take our position in the Lord. And when the Word says something, whether it's in our nation, our family, our home, our job, or whatever, stand for it. Stand for that. Because you're going to know that truth and understand it, and that understanding is going to bring freedom to you and keep you in that freedom. Amen? So I just want to encourage you this morning, if those things have been going on in your life, and it may be other things that I've not even mentioned here today, remember it's all designed to be a wall, a wall that's built up in your life to keep you from what God wants you to do, keep you from your purpose. Your purpose is not my purpose. My purpose is not your purpose. Now we're all, you know, to build up the kingdom of God, but the specifics to that is different for everyone. So don't allow the enemy to tell you, well, you're not in the fivefold ministry, you know, so, you know, therefore, you don't have to do anything. No, you've got to do something just like everybody else has to do it. it nobody's left out. When you come into the kingdom, you get a rank, you get a uniform, and you're in the army. <laughs> Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.